Welcome to the Cocktail Lovers Podcast. I'm Sandra. And I'm Gary. And together, we are the Cocktail Lovers. We're a married couple and we've been writing about cocktails for the past 12 years. But this is the place where we'll be talking about cocktails. We're going to be talking about products. We're going to be talking about books. And we're going to be talking about the bars that we love and we think that you'll love too. We'll also be checking in with some of the biggest names in the industry and asking them to share their top tips with us to help you up your mixing game at home. We like to think of ourselves as your new best friends cocktail wise so let's hear what's on the show this week did you know that today is national tea day yes indeed so we thought it only right that we had a little touch of a tea vibe in today's episode we're discovering all things tea with a fabulous book from Fortnum and mason time for tea by tom parker bowles we're opening not one but two tea cocktails in cans Empirical Spirits and Riddles Iced Tea. Meanwhile, we also step aboard the Lowback, a bar with a hint of a nautical nature in London's Canary Wharf. And we catch up with Liam Broom and Chris Tanner, who tell us all about their new bar, Silverleaf, as well as sharing some clever tips for making great drinks at home. First, though, we are the cocktail lovers, so let's make ourselves a cocktail. Yes, indeed, it is Tea Day, International National Something Tea Day. But also, in two days' time, it's St George's Day. So I think we should give that a nod in our cocktail. Brilliant. Okay, so what do you have in mind? Well, I thought, just go a little bit English. So with that in mind, gin. Although gin now, I think, is made in every single country in the world. Mm. It feels like it's made in almost every single country in the world. You still think of it as kind of quintessentially, that's a good word, isn't it? Quintessentially English. Mm-hmm. And I thought of English sparkling wine. Lovely. So that, they love a bit of English sparkling wine. They've yeah. come on very, very well, haven't they? Really, really. I think in the last few years, we've tried a few and they've been absolutely amazing. Mm. So I thought, stick those two together and a few other things. And I'm going to do... An English 75, which I don't even know if that is a thing or if I've just <laughs> hoped it's a thing. Well, why can't it be a thing? Well, it's a thing now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's, so how do you make it English? Because obviously it is based on a French 75. So what are you going to do to make it English? The only major thing, I mean, obviously, well, say obviously I'm using an English gin. Right. But more importantly, I'm going to use... The aforementioned English oh, sparkling course, wine in of place course. of champagne. Indeed, indeed. So shall I get shall I get weaving? I think you better had. Okay, so I've got my little shaker standing by. And in terms of ingredients, it's this we always say easy is best, and this is pretty easy. So I've got I'm making for two because I thought you'd like one as well. Oh thanks. Yeah, don't <laughs> mention it. So I've got 15 mil of freshly squeezed lemon juice so in total 15 each or 15 each so that's 30 in total that Mm -hmm. i'm putting in there and in terms of gin that is 50 ml each so i'll just get my little 50 each wow we're going for going large going large i'll just get reaching for my little measuring jigger there we go so i get oops bashing my mic there right 50 ml of gin and what else do i need and a little bit of sugar syrup and as we always say this is easy to make i made a little bit of this earlier so half water half sugar shook it up for a minute let it settle give it another little shake now and i've got sugar syrup and also you can store that in the fridge for we can we can indeed and in terms of measures for this i just need one teaspoon or bar spoon per person so that's two it is going into my shaker there you go and then of course the all important ice marvelous and also this sounds like a very springy drink which is perfect for this time of year and for this actual episode isn't it yeah nice and light refreshing put a little little, literally a spring in our step i hope so get my shaker all fixed up there there we go ready and more 
indeed. He's off. Literally. <laughs> Shake it, baby. Coming up. Hashtag when it's too cold to hold. Yes. Get the top out. So I've got. Actually, do you want to help me out here? Because you're you're good at opening sparkling sparkling wine. So I'll pass that to you. And let's let's hope this one you behave want. itself. You never yeah, know. So, actually. So while you're doing that, I'm going to pour the mixture. I've got two lovely champagne flutes or sparkling wine flutes, I should mm. say. And so this, um, which Gary has passed me, is the Chapel Down Bacchus. 2020. We love firm chapel down. Yeah. We, we paid a visit there a few years ago. Whoa! There you go. Well, good work, my friend. So you timed that perfectly because I've just dispensed the uh, the shaken gin, sugar, and lemon juice into our flutes, which is about a third. So let's fill each about a third. So I'm going to just top this top the, up nicely with the lovely chapel down. Chapel down. And if you haven't tried um, an English sparkling, this is a really good one to to start with. Chapel Down have been going for quite a few years and have justifiably earned a great rep- reputation and put British wines on the map. Actually, yes, rightly so, absolutely. So, and all I'm doing, I'm not, I wouldn't call this stirring. I'm just sort of Lifting. pulling it, yeah, yeah, because you don't want all that lovely mixture sitting at the bottom of your glass i've just poured that through so let me pass over to you what we're calling the english 75 would you garnish this with anything nope oh okay Uh, just going like that there you go cheers ah oh bring on spring that's what i say marvelous thank you So as it is National Tea Day, we're celebrating teas in cans, but not just your average brew. We're going for tea cocktails. Yes, we're not going for a builder, you know, <laughs> much as I love builders, as I mentioned You know, earlier. there's iced teas yeah. that you can have in cans, but we're not doing that, actually. Not today. Anyway, so the one that I'm going for is by a company called Empirical. So a lot of real cocktail geeks or drinks geeks will know about them. It's a flavour company which was set up by Lars Williams and Mark Emil Hermanson, formerly of Noma Restaurant in Copenhagen. Yeah. So you know, I mean, having that pedigree, these guys are top dog. You know, they know their way around flavour. And that's what they do. This is a flavour company. It's not a spirits company. It's not a drinks. Well, it is a drinks company, but they're more about flavour. And that's what they always talk about. It's how they manipulate flavours and create new flavours, actually. Mm. So they do a range of distilled spirits. Yeah which are very much, bartenders love them, they geek out on them. And it's with good reason, because it's a great base to create new cocktails, you know, so they're not gin based, they're not whiskey based, they're flavour based. But these cans, which they do, this is more for people at home, so you don't have to play around with those nuances. All of them are balanced in a can. Yeah. Also, just say about that can, because the cans are beautiful, aren't they? They're, They're really minimalist. Really, really minimalist, and, and they come in colours. So there's no name for the cocktails. They have three, and they're just by the name and also by the colour. So the one that we're going for is can number one, mm-hmm. which is black, and it's made with milk oolong cold brew tea that's where the tea comes in okay and then they have toasted birch tea gooseberry spirit cold infused gooseberry juice douglas fir spirit and pomelo zest spirit so that's all in this one can there's a whole bunch of things going on there's a whole lot of bunch a whole lot of bunch (laughs) there's a whole lot of things going on but also the way that they do their flavors it's through a blend of different methods so there's fermentation there's maceration there's distillation and extraction all of these things come in together to create these flavors so the one that we're going for as i say is number one okay um, which is a vacuum distilled spirit base of beet molasses and Belgian saison yeast. Oh, good grief. That yeah, exactly. Oh. So it's a can, but listen, it's packing a bit of a punch. It's 10% ABV. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that's quite a big 
Thank Big you. Fl- oh, Part that smells room. delicious. Oh, it does. Mm. It? I don't know, I'm trying to think what that reminds me of. But well, the thing is, it is its own unique mm. thing. So, wow, it's got a lovely dryness. I think mm. there's that gooseberry, you know, mentioned the gooseberry. I think, can you get the gooseberry? Yeah, maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that, it just reminds me. I, I really don't want to sound like I'm getting carried away, but it reminds me of a sort of, meadow or something like that yeah. walking through a meadow in oh, the sun gosh, good little you. bit of rain yeah. i know <laughs> but, but <laughs> a, this has really got you hasn't it but wow it smells amazing and also it's i love delicious. that dryness it it has got that that is the that lovely tea thing you yes get. Uh, but what, also yeah. that gooseberry it's um it's sort of that gives it the acidic thing mm. doesn't it and then there's that beautiful smooth sort of floral thing from the the oolong tea but i think oh, oh it's yeah. and, it, and it's got that it, it like it, the finish of it is delicious as well there's lots of things going on i'm doing that weird thing with my fingers again yeah but it's yes it's fruity it's got a little bit of a dry edge it's refreshing and isn't it nice that it's you know we're talking about all of these things but it isn't a specific thing it's a no. different type of flavor it's a different type of experience Very and clever. that's that's yeah. what i like it's not you know there's similarities between certain things but it's actually just a super delicious flavorsome drink and this is hero in teas and it's a tea not as you know it so i'm really pleased with this one because we wanted to showcase some tea-based cocktails in cans because Actually, one of the things that we're doing in the new issue of the magazine is highlighting some beautiful canned cocktails. And and we have picked out Empirical as one of them. And this is so delicious and so beautiful. I would definitely recommend trying it. You can order them from um, Empirical Co. And they sell them singly and also in, in packs of four and they're 33 CL cans. And I've only got prices in euros, I'm afraid. So it's um, 30 euros okay. for the four pack. And I would definitely say to buy them. You can also yes. search around. They do have them on Amazon. But go for Empirical rather than the A to Z company. <laughs> there are another two cans in the range. There's can number two, which focuses on sour cherry, blackcurrant buds, young pine cones and walnut wood and can number three which is another tea infused cocktail this one has carob fig leaf lemon myrtle and golden yunnan tea beautiful my tea choice in a can is riddles iced tea more specifically moringa tea with tequila and agave Ooh, tea for tequila (laughs) (laughs) it's really thrown me you say that Uh, there's a there's lots and lots of things about this that drew me to it one it's not part of a range you know sometimes as with our previous one you know there's two or three or four and that's great this is solely at the moment about one product so that was kind of interesting Mm. And the other thing was that it's, you know, sometimes, actually, it's a little bit like what you've just done. Sometimes uh, cocktails in cans are taking a well-known cocktail, putting it in a can. Brilliant. But like the one you've just talked about, this is also not a serve that I've come across. And I'm sure someone might correct me and say it's been done. But I'm not aware of a cocktail being served, which is tea, moringa tea, I should say, with tequila and a agave. But here it is Mm. in a can. The backstory is really interesting as well. It's been created by a chemist, someone who studied medicine and pharmaceuticals. So that that's his background. It's a guy called Charlie Adunque. And I, apologies if I'm not saying that surname <laughs> correctly. We always choose people that we don't know how to say their names. Yeah. We've got to think <laughs> about this beforehand. But anyway, Charlie, let's Charlie, go. <laughs> yeah, we'll get friendly and just say Charlie. Mm. And he's, I love what he's saying. There's a couple of things. he wanted to, On the one hand, he wanted to create a what he says is a ridiculously refreshing beverage, which mm. I think is a good vision. Mm. But also he's saying, and I like this as well, he said he wants to create some drinks that unite and celebrate different cultures 
and people from all over the world. And amen to that. I think that's a great thing. Particularly these do. days, anytime. But so much yeah, so, mm-hmm. so much so. So we've got this Riddles iced tea and there's some information on the can I should share with you. It's 4% ABV, so okay. a little bit lighter than your <laughs> Just choice, a my touch. friend. Uh, and it's also 99 calories. So I think it's interesting. Another tip. They've pulled out, mm. he's pulled out the calories. And also I, I looked into what he, Charlie, was saying about the Moringa because he said he was in Nigeria looking around for ingredients for this drink and he came across this. He fell in love with it. And and he talks a lot about it being highly nutritious. It's full of proteins, acids. It's good for the skin and hair. But obviously, my personal caveat for that, we're never ever going to say, drink this, it's good for no, you. No, and you can't. Yeah, absolutely. But this is what he's saying about the tea mm. element. So, yeah, should we crack it open and I see what we think? Hang on. Right. We didn't talk about the aesthetics of the can. Right. So... It's one of those, it's a 250 um, ml can, so tall and slim. Mm. It is, how would you describe that? It's very simple. I was going to say it says what it says on the can, which is a bit of (laughs) an obvious thing to say. But it's riddles, is a big R, and it also says the fountain of riddles. That's a bit intriguing. Then tequila iced tea. It's a very simple typography, orange typography on a beige background very nice so and you me, can look on our instagram yeah, feed or on, our, on the cocktail lovers website to right, see a bit more a, yep okay oh it smells full-on like that what's that word you i can't i'm struggling what's the word the generic word for tea tannins tannins thank you <laughs> thank you tea for tannins That's and tequila a, yeah. Mm. Wow. It's very sweet, actually, considering yeah. it's 99 calories. Maybe that is the um, agave yeah. coming through. But it's very tea. And as you say, the tannins are really, it's a tannic kind of spirit. I'm not getting that much of the tequila at the moment, but it's interesting to feel that it has been rounded out with the tequila mm. and the tea and the agave. It's, what are you it, saying? No, it's interesting, isn't it? Because... Like you, I was quite surprised by the sweetness because mm. you smell it and the tannin mm. makes you think it's going to be quite a dry sort of drink, mm. but it is very sweet. Having said that, and, and I'm not a big fan of anything being particularly sweet, but this is very drinkable, isn't it? Mm. Well, for it, me. Yeah. It is. I think it's very much aimed at, uh, whereas the empirical is aimed at a more complex sort of flavour profile, this is very simplistic. And I think that it's uh, aimed at a wider audience. And I say simplistic, not in a negative way. I think that it's much more of a crowd-pleasing drink, particularly with the fact that it's 99 calories. I think that it's got a lot going for it on a marketing point of view too. 99 calories, got tea, you've got tequila, and all of that in a can. I think they've done a really good job. Me too. And it, it's, um, as I say, it's a 250ml can. They're sold uh, in packs of four for £8. Mm-hmm. So you can get them direct from the Riddle's website. And details, of course, will be on our website. And now for a cocktail hack from one of our experts. My name is Peter Dorelli. I now I an ambassador, would you believe it, and a national, international ambassador of the United Kingdom Bartenders Guild. Now, if you entertain at home and you have a, a fantastic time at home making cocktails, I use uh, the Kilner jug to, to, to do it. So forget about the shaker. Use a nice jug and, you know, and, the, and that's amazing for your, for your friends. It does a giggle. You get a giggle anyway. <laughs> right. So recently we headed over to Canary Wharf in yeah, but- <laughs> um, Docklands, which is not not really our stomping ground. No, but we go there from time to But that's time. good. It, it pushed us out of our comfort zone a bit, <laughs> didn't it? Well, yeah, it, it 
only took us half an hour to get there. Exactly. <laughs> slightly out of our comfort zone. But anyway, the reason for this was we were heading over to a very new bar called the Lowback, mm-hmm. which is not... When did that actually open? It's well, it's recent, had different... It? Yes, the, the bar itself has reopened over the past month or so, but I think they had an official soft opening maybe late last year. Yeah. or begin, I can't remember how the, the, the months all add up anymore. But anyway, <laughs> you go on. Anyway, so the Lowback, it's although they're not utilising the name literally, it is part of the ever-growing, expanding Hawksmoor family. And we're big fans of Hawksmoor, mm. both for their food and their amazing cocktails. So I guess we had high hopes when we headed over there. And I should say, actually, when we were walking through that sort of area, there's lots of offices and mm. apartment blocks. And it's a kind of like a little mini Manhattan. It kind really of thing. is. Man- yeah, yeah, Man- yeah. Manhattan light. And, but as you kind of walk towards the low back, it's stunning because you suddenly just see it and it looks like it is a boat floating yeah, on water. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a floating water. barge, but it's absolutely stunning, yeah. isn't it? It really beckons you to... To come aboard. Indeed, come aboard. that's the way. And do you know what a lowback is? No, Gary, <laughs> what is a lowback? Lowback is, it's a small vessel which is or was used for launching and guiding boats. Ah, so. <laughs> there you so go. That, so it all suddenly makes sense. And it looks like a boat, although mm. it's not. It's, it's, it's not rocking. No. It's, it's good. But I love the way it's surrounded on all four sides by water. And yes. you walk across almost like gangplanks, yeah, yeah, don't yeah. you? So you do feel like you're coming <laughs> but aboard. But it's a, it's a nice adventure, isn't it? And particularly as we went, it was a really beautiful day, wasn't it? Yes, you know, it was a sunny The weather evening. was great and yeah. everything. And it made you really appreciate approaching it that way yes. because it's very different to any other bar in in london actually yeah couldn't agree more and it and it was beautiful so we approached it we went over the gangplanks and then when we got inside it's a it's a big old space mm. isn't it it's the bar. biggest space that um they've got and uh, we must say you know we we said that it's part of the hawksmoor family upstairs so the ground floor is hawksmoor so that yeah. is a huge restaurant. A self-contained yeah. restaurant yeah low back is underneath that but it has its separate entrance and everything and as gary said it is a huge space it's i don't know how many covers how many did they say 150 or something might have been more than that but it's it's gorgeous yeah and it's and and so let's actually just describe it a little bit um we both said when we sort of walked in it has a little bit of a hawksmoor feeling it, uh, that's not to say it looks exactly like hawksmoor but it's a more of a vibe than a, a you look. can tell it's part yeah, of the family and, and it's very very smart it, an incredibly long bar which is nine meters in fact not that i measured it but I, <laughs> are I, you sure I, is uh, that what you did when you got up from the table <laughs> <laughs> i did actually just say to one of the lovely team there that's a long bar and they said yes yeah, nine meters long mm. so there you go so and that's a real center central point and I like the way also, because it is a big space, I love the way it's desi- divided into zones. Different sections, So there's yeah. lots of stalls at the bar, which is great. There's lots of tables if you want a little bit more dining experience. And there's also booths, and I mm. do like a booth. And they also have that thing that they do very well in Hawksmoor bar areas. They have those central space, little, not bonkers, you know, that you can stand around or there's groups yeah, can they're gather like around there. narrow tables yes. with stalls around them. So it gives the feeling of sitting at the bar, even though you're not at the yeah. bar. Which I always and it's good for clever. groups. Yeah, it is. To me also, though, and what Portsmouth bars do really well, there's a kind of sophisticated pub feel about them and i don't mean that in a a negative way it's more of a convivial way it's not scary it's very inclusive and it's very friendly for males and females and very conducive to just gathering you know so that's my overall impression it's funny because i remember at the time when we were sitting there chatting about it in one of the lovely booths by the way we we made a beeline for the booths we looked around and what i think we both commented on it had a a feeling like almost like a kind of smart Manhattan mm, tavern. Mm. It reminded me of those sort of places. So, you know, whether you're going in there for cocktails, obviously, or wine or beer, that they accommodate all that. There's some food, which we'll surely talk about shortly. And also looking around at the crowd when we were there on a Friday evening, there were, 
you know, there were small groups of after workers. There were lots and lots of couples. There were people who looked like locals who lived nearby, mm. and everyone was accommodated. Yeah, and it, it worked suits, for everybody. It suits every occasion. It's not intimidating. Like some cocktail bars can be a little bit intimidating. This is very inclusive. Uh, Hawksmoor do that very well. It's for everyone. So. Shall we get on to the cocktails? Why not? Mm. So there's a lovely menu divided into several sections, some of which have a slightly nautical, watery feel. As you would. Well, so they've got like Riviera, which is the sort of lighter aperitivo style drinks. They've got Landmarks, which is their iconic Hawksmoor serves from, you know, over the years, plus a new signature. They've got Bottle of Cocktail section, which is for sharing. They've got Sundowners, which is for the more indulgent, richer later evening drinks. And, and I love this title, they've got Steady Ship, which is a, a really good range of non-alcoholic cocktails. So they've really gone to town and made sure they've got some great non-alcoholics there. But we went for, and this will surprise <laughs> nobody, we went for a section that wasn't even nautical, but was called Martinis. Yeah, and, and it was so nice because... They've spent a lot of time developing a different section of martinis. Yeah, you five, know? in so, fact. Yeah, so I had, what was mine called? You went for one called, what was it it's now? Oh, you called. had the Japanese Delmonico. Del, yes, and Del, the other one, the, the pickled one. Oh, the Pink Gibson. Pink yeah. Gibson. Oh, mm. my goodness, I love that. A, because it comes, it, it's lovely, delicate, pinky hue, but also because it's got this beautiful pickle in there that's yeah. sort of been maybe in like a beetroot juice or something yeah, yeah. but it was absolutely gorgeous absolutely and, and i went for the ultimate gin martini which was uh, heppel gin aperitivo company dry vermouth and lemon oil and it was absolutely fabulous i mean it was pretty much a classic martini taken to the on end. steroids yeah <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't say that but taken to the end the other thing we should mention about all of the five martinis and and we only tried three, only three, but we'll be back for the other two. Uh, but all five of them, they are ice cold. Yes. And the reason for that, they make sure that they prepare them in advance so they're minus 15 degrees centigrade. And then they serve them from thermos flasks. So they're served at your table at exactly the right yeah, temperature. Yeah, and, and it really does come into its own, doesn't it, I think? Yeah. And also, I have to say about my um, lovely Gibson, they call it a kind of monster munch martini, because, <laughs> <laughs> which may put some people off, but actually don't. It is so beautiful. I really uh, hats off to Liam Davy and um, John O who have come up with that menu. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. And we and we did try some other drinks. Uh, we did drag ourselves away from yeah. the martini <laughs> section. I went to the landmark section and had a Tom and Jerez. Is that correct pronunciation? Yes. Yeah. Which was uh, Porter's Tropical Old Tom Gin, Fino Sherry Pear and Lemon Juice, which was absolutely delicious. And it's one of those drinks. You know that sometimes you sip, there's a drink and you sip it once and you think, oh, yeah, I've got that. Then you sip it again and you think, oh, I didn't get that. And then you sip it three or four times. And every time you sip it, you get a little Just bit more. more. And it was like that. And that, that. For me, that makes for a really interesting experience. And I remember you went for the Pecan Godfather from the Sundowner section, which I believe is bourbon, pecan butter, Oloroso, sherry and... Tonka bean. Mm, and that is it's as delicious as it sounds. I mean, take each of those ingredients. They're beautiful. Put them all together. Absolutely stunning. And also because of the creativity and the deft hand that this team has. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think they do do a dud drink, actually, because no. they put so much research, time, effort. They know their customer base but they're always thinking about other people as well so drawing people yeah, in yeah 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 and there's not you know i hand on heart would say i've never had a bad drink in the no. hawksmoor experience and we've been going the, to the hawksmoor in the various hawksmoor right from the beginning right from actually the very beginning which i think is 
Uh, it's about as old as us. <laughs> no, no, really. No, it's it's what, 2008? Something like that, yeah. Or, uh, Not as old as us being people. That's very <laughs> old. But I'm talking about the cocktail lovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've always had, as you say, great experiences, great cocktails. Also, a couple of things we should mention as well is... Again, being part of the Hawksmoor family, there's great oh, the food, uh, food. Yes. you know, uh, you know, you want to be in a bar, you want to carry on drinking drinks, but you want something nice to go with. So we had some langoustine scampi with tartar mm. sauce. We also had some fried chicken with scotch bonnet vinegar and kimchi slaw. Yeah, that mm. I would I'm say. I'm getting hungry just remembering <laughs> Me too. <it. laughs> My mouth is really watering. So. I mean, all of the, the, the bar snack food is great, but also, you know, you can break off and have more of the fuller menu if you want to, yeah. or, you know, stay and go upstairs for the Hawksmoor full menu. But wherever you eat, whatever you drink, you're in for a real, real treat. treat. So I should just say in conclusion, well, I've got several things to say. Oh, in, in the conclusion. <laughs> no, What's the, your final the, conclusion? The, 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 the penultimate final <laughs> conclusion. The drinks are around about 11 to 14 mm. pounds, but they also have these sharing bottles, which we didn't try, but I really want to go back because, you know, we've had some of their we've bottled cocktails some, yeah. at home, but now they've got these full-on 750 ml bottles Mm. of sharing cocktails some with a bit of fizz some without and also i mean they even right at the beginning they always used to do the little bottle manhattans and things like that so you know you know that it's going to be good they were doing bottle cocktails long before other people were doing bottle cocktails and also during lockdown i think that that really got us through yeah. with some of the other iterations that they did yes. with their bottle cocktails. So, yeah, yeah. definitely let's go back we for do. that. I'm really looking forward to that. So, yeah, we, I think, absolutely adored the mm. low back details on our site and also there'll be a little bit more about it in the next issue of the Cocktail Lovers magazine coming soon. Lovely. The Cocktail Lovers magazine is available in print and digital four times a year. And a brand new issue will be available in April. In the meantime, why not catch up with the complete catalogue of back issues? For details, see thecocktaillovers.com slash magazine. So in honour of Tea Week, we're going for a book which is called Time for Tea. And it's actually a Fortnum and Mason book. I know I'm always banging on about Fortnum and Mason. Anybody <laughs> would think I was being paid by them. But actually, the reason is, and particularly with this issue, is because Fortnum is synonymous with tea. Yes. And, and the way that this book is put together, I just could not leave it out. No. So it's, it's by Tom Parker Bowles. Uh, yeah. You know Tom Parker uh, Bowles? Not personally, but I know, <laughs> I know of him. You and, know of him. He's yeah. a great writer, but also the son of Camilla Parker Bowles. But this book is absolutely gorgeous. So first of all, it's in the beautiful Fortnum's Eau de Nile, that beautiful bluey green. Yeah, it's really restful, very elegant Mm. and quite calming, that signature colour. So as I said, Fortnum's is renowned for its teas and it has around 150 or so varieties in store. And as well as that lovely sparkling tea that we tried, I think, in our last season. Yes, which was delicious. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So this book is just packed with all kinds of things. So there are lots of recipes, but essentially it is about everything to do with tea. So can I pass it over to you so you can have a little thumb through it while I just go on about how beautiful it is and the reason why I've chosen it. So if you love tea or you're interested in tea, I think it's a really good one to gen up on all of that tea knowledge. So it opens up with this charming illustrated timeline of tea and it goes through all of the history. It goes through the lowdown on the tea producing regions around the world and gives descriptions of terroir and how tea is made, plus the beneficial properties of teas, you know, including things like you know, I, don't quote me on saying this, that it will help, you know, <laughs> you, you must always seek different advice. But there's certain things that, that tea is supposed to do, like can't reduce blood pressure, lowering bad cholesterol. So there's different types of yeah. teas for different medicinal reasons. And then, so that's all of that gone into. Then it's broken down into these 
gorgeous chapters. So you have everything from breakfast, lunch, mid-afternoon, tea time and after dinner and they've got some great recipes so there's lots of food recipes but alongside yeah Yeah. and they're so gorgeous Mm. aren't they they look beautiful so alongside the the actual recipes they give you the recommended tea to serve with it like it's food pairing yeah and it's just so gorgeous you've got you've got all sorts of things so we've got welsh cakes which i love yeah the other thing that struck me about it as Mm. well is that I like tea, but I have to admit I'm pretty limited in my choice. Mm. I either have breakfast tea or Earl Grey, and that's or a, a builder's tea. Mm. And looking at that, it makes me want to sort of explore out. and and you know just find out a bit more about tea. Yeah, yeah, and this is what it does perfectly because there's also this other bit on it that it it's it's quite fun, but it's um it gives you tips for teas to have for different moods. So if you're in love, or if you're heartbroken, or oh. yeah. If you're studying for exams, you know, there's different things. So it just guides you in the right direction for teas that you might have at those particular times. And also, I suppose, importantly for us, there is a section on tea cocktails. I was about, you took the words literally out of my (laughs) mouth there. I was going to ask you if there was. Yeah, and there are. There are only a few, but they're really lovely. So the cocktails have been um, developed by Mustafa Tumburi, who's the bar manager at 45 German Street, mm-hmm. which is part of Fortnum's. Another lovely bar. It really is. And that's a good one to... Now, maybe we should review that for we another should, episode, actually. actually. Yeah. yeah. So the tea cocktails they have in here include things like an Earl Grey Negroni, mm. a nice iced tea, an Earl Henry Sour. And a lot of them do feature the sparkling tea that we that we reviewed, but also different varieties of teas that are in the shop. So it's a really beautiful, beautiful book. It also has plenty of tips on how to serve, which to serve, you know, which um, teapots to maybe use or yeah. cups. And as I say, because it is tea day, this is my pick of the week. It's absolutely gorgeous. And it is £20 and available from Fortnum and Mason. Chris Tanner and Liam Broom have proved their worth on the London bartending circuit, notching up more than 20 years between them, working in venues such as Milk and Honey, the Experimental Cocktail Club, Kalu Calais, Satan's Whiskers and the Proofing Room at Milroy's. Individually, they're veritable drinks whizzies, but put them together and they're absolute dynamite, as we found out when we visited Silverleaf, recently opened bar on every Londoner's radar. We wanted to speak to them about what it takes to create a new bar and develop a brand new cocktail menu, as well as getting tips on making banging drinks that everyone will talk about when you're entertaining at home. Chris, Liam, welcome to the Cocktail Lovers podcast. Thank you. What an intro. Thanks so much for having us. What a wonderful piece of uh, wording to put us on here. Thank you. And also, we didn't actually mention that you've been nominated for two awards on the Class Bar Awards, which is fantastic because you've only been open for two months. So congratulations on that and very well deserved. Thank you. Yeah, we're absolutely buzzing at the moment. It's a, it's a huge achievement, I think. Fantastic. So first of all, let's start off. Tell us what excited you about the project and opening of Silverleaf. I'll leave that one with Liam, actually, since... Uh... I, uh, I I sort of had to, I ended up having to sell it to him anyway. Chris was obviously on board for a lot longer than I was. Um, so Chris was very much uh, sort of oversaw the whole thing, including the interior design. So his excitement came from being able to build it from scratch. But I was in a different position where I saw it about halfway through the project. Uh, and it, um, the way it kind of worked out was uh, Chris originally approached me with the idea of coming on board to the project and I immediately dismissed him as a no. <laughs> but he, was, he was able to pin me down to have a look at the deck for Silverleaf. Uh, you know, just have a look, just see how you feel, go from there. And uh, he, he showed me the interior design deck is the first thing that, um, the first piece of information that I saw in regards to the project. And from, from then on, it was an immediate yes. 
um, because seeing what the Tom Dixon team had planned for Silverleaf was by no small feat, let's put it that way. But an incredible amount of time, effort and thought had gone into the interior design and just seeing that very sort of beginning base plan was enough for me to realise that we had a very special project in our hands. We knew from, I think that was it, isn't it, like from the start, we knew we wanted to have something that was going to be like considered on every level, like from the drinks to the seating to the materials we use, and just the, the whole experience that a guest would have. And it's the whole project's been unbelievably exciting from, from the start. Yeah, more information was revealed to us from the hotel as well. So I had the sort of interior design information first. But the more heavily involved Chris and I became with the project, the more information that became available to us, the more we understood exactly why this project was going to work so well. Because we had the tools and resources, not only from the Tom Dixon team, but also from the Pan Pacific London team, and then also Chris and I's combined expertise as well. So we were able to do the many development and the and the hiring of the team as independent operators, but then draw upon the resources of the hotel at any point. Uh, they've been very supportive since day one. Because I did want to mention that it was it is part of a hotel group because we didn't mention that up front, and that is Pan Pacific. So fantastic. Very much part and parcel of our remit and our and us as operators. We are we are Silverleaf at Pan Pacific London. Yes, we do get to operate slightly outside of that hotel, both literally and metaphorically. We're in a different building, but we are part of Pan Pacific London. You've both mentioned there a, a lot about the, the space itself and the Tom Dixon design. It'd be great if you could talk us through for our listeners how the actual space looks and how it functions and works, because it is a beautiful space. Yeah, it, it's, un- it's unbelievable, isn't it? Um, the way the space was intended is when, when we were s- sort of initially approaching it, so not literally, but we, we, draw, we drew inspiration from Pan Pacific's uh, rich heritage in Asia and being a Singaporean company. Tom Dixon's team looked at the uh, five Chinese elements, not to have a literal representation of them in the room, but to inform the color palettes and the materials we use. So we have salt glazed bricks representing fire on, on, around the circulation, earth for the seating. So everything's in these like really beautiful um, sort of pink and green earthy hues. Metal for the bar. So you've got this huge, quite theatrical blackened metal bar that sort of sticks out of the ceiling it's slightly uh it looks like a stage and wood in alba which is our private tasting room with um an 11 seat horseshoe bar made entirely out of a beautiful piece of timber it's also worth mentioning that at the back of the room there is a walk-in whiskey display which is built in an old turret that's part of the 18th century building that makes up devonshire house but yeah and interestingly as well, actually, Pan Pacific finished that turret. So the turret runs right through Devonshire House, which is where we are. So it's a 144-year-old heritage building. And in the original planning permission from 144 years ago, there was a planning permission for a spire at the top of the turret that was never added. Um, so Pan Pacific saw fit to finish it off with a planning permission having been granted over a century ago. Oh, amazing. So now we've spoken about the look and the feel of the place. Let's get on to the ethos behind the drinks. Do you want to to explain? Because we've got this beautiful menu with some gorgeous artworks. But if you can bring the whole thing to life for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, so I mean, before we get onto the drinks themselves, the menu, um, we wanted the menu to have, be like quite inviting. Like the space itself is, is, is very unique and very beautiful and it shows a lot of process and like raw edge marbling on the bar. And we, we kind of knew we wanted a, a menu that was going to represent that. Um, so we, when we were making the drinks, we worked with um, 10 principal flavor profiles and we attributed a color to each profile. Then we worked with Tom Dixon's research studio and they, we um, made some sculptures from modeling clay, painted each one with the colors according to a, the, for one drink in particular for each drink and photographed them and had them printed out on the menu. Yeah, so if you imagine opening the menu to uh, one of the drinks, we say that on the left-hand side is kind of our side, what we've done. So you have the name of the drink, which is always two ingredients. So, for example, the pineapple miso was just featured in the Class Bar Awards. And then below that, we have four flavor profiles attributed to it. And then below that, the four principal ingredients in the drink. So name, what it tastes like, what goes in it. 
And then on the right-hand side, you have this beautiful art piece from the Tom Dixon team that Chris just mentioned. And that's kind of their interpretation of the drinks and the four flavor profiles that are attached to it. Okay. So can you describe some, I mean, you mentioned pineapple, but can you describe some of the drinks on the menu and how, you know, also a bit deeper about how you went into creating them? Yeah. So in, in order to um, explain some of the drinks, we kind of need to explain the sort of structure of how we put together any drink at this in Silverleaf. And a lot of that came from Chris and I's continued work together from when we came on board uh, for the project. And that really stemmed with the conversation, what is a Silverleaf drink and why is a Silverleaf drink different from any other bar? that you could get a drink in and that that ended up with uh the rules of making drinks at silverleaf uh, and i won't go into all of them but the principal ones that uh, are most important are that every drink must have an accessible ingredient so that is to say one ingredient that any one any member of the public could recognize as an ingredient they know and like or understand at the very least and the second ingredient must be considered unusual something that shows that we're we're making something more interesting but still always have that anchor ingredient to to, to pull upon and there's a, there's a few more rules uh, attributed to to them most of which being sort of the clarity of flavor and um, we have an extensive list um, but it's not necessarily worthwhile going into everyone in extreme detail unless chris you have anything to add no i mean i think it, we were conscious that you know, liam and i have both been in the industry for we've never worked together before this we've known each other for some time but um and independently we were both quite capable of writing a menu but as we worked together we realized we wanted to challenge ourselves a little bit more we also were kind of very conscious of giving silverleaf an identity and that sort of that very much went into the drinks creation we wanted to if somebody else made a drink we wanted it to be able to be described as a silverleaf drink yes and the fact was we didn't want to have menu of 12 cocktails where six of them were very clearly Liam Broom drinks and six of them were very clearly Christana drinks. We wanted 12 Silverleaf drinks. And also one of the things we discussed was how could someone order any drink on the menu and then order another drink on the menu? And that makes journey make sense. Mm. And that involved writing this rules to make sure that that process was logical and, and made sense. It's, it's, it's interesting what you said about the layers of the, the rules, because I remember one of the drinks I really loved was the, the pear one. And it was just like, there were so many la- layers to it that the more you went back to it, you were kind of getting pear, but in lots of different guises, it felt. Yeah. So it's funny that that was the one that stood out to you, because that was the first drink that Chris and I signed off as going on the menu. And it's kind of what set the foundation as to what the rest of the drinks would eventually become. Okay. And individually, what are your favorite combinations on the menu and why? Good question. The thing is, as the time has gone on, we find ourselves constantly surprised at how the cocktails have developed. When we did the first full menu tasting, when we had the core team on board, maybe last October or so, Chris and I went in with the idea that maybe a handful of the drinks were our personal favorites. And as we did the full menu tasting and had the drinks against each other, we were like, wow, we've really made some something special here. And, and a lot of the drinks that we maybe didn't have as our top tier, let's say, were, were the ones that really surprised us in a good way. Mm. I remember um, I remember initially, because obviously the, the bar itself, the opening was was plagued with delays, um, but we, which kind of was a blessing and a curse and that we kept revisiting our ideas and kept tweaking things. And I remember we gave ourselves, I think, the 6th of December as like the absolute final day saying on the 6th of December after that, what we have on the 6th is what we will have for the rest of the, for the rest of this menu. That's it. So and then we had to get on with the opening of the bar. So come to the end of January, we sort of revisited some of these drinks. And there were some that I remember, not not that they weren't good, but there were some that I was like. That's not our strongest drink on the menu. It's still delicious, but it's definitely not the strongest. Have now in turn become my favorite drinks mm. down the line. And as we've opened, we've also noticed that customer response or guest response has like skewed our view of what the favorite drinks on the menu are. The drinks that we would consider maybe safe or, or interesting are suddenly the ones that have become the guest favorites and the one that are being talked about the most. Yeah. For example, 
the Verbena olive oil, which was not necessarily an afterthought, but in our consideration at, at its very roots, a, a twist on a gimlet, ended up becoming one of the industry favorites that was talked about most in press and, and, and has, been, uh, has been a very interesting journey. So to break down that maybe that one as a starting point, the Verbena olive oil, the Verbena olive oil is kind of an exploration of, of, of Greek flavors in, in, in a gimlet. It's a gin fat wash with olive oil. So fat washing is the process of infusing fats by freezing. So we use a Greek olive oil, and then we use a new product called Axia Mistiha, which is a Greek product as well, stirred down with lemon verbena, and the thing's just garnished with a couple of drops of the Citizens of Soil olive oil from Michael Vashon, as you may know. And it's just a very simple serve. Beautiful. And Chris, can we push you to one? I'm still finding my favorites. I think the hibiscus and guayo stands out as one of the best drinks on the menu for me. Again, almost like because of its simplicity, but there's just so much to the flavor of the drink. So it's uh, um, a hibiscus cordial with mezcal and a vermouth that we made in collaboration with Baldoria, which um, initially when I first started the project back in 2019, I had these uh, lofty ideas that there wasn't necessarily going to be a cocktail menu, but that we were going to... uh, work and collaborate with producers around the world and just have bottles that we could pull and pour into a glass and the verdant vermouth was uh, started life as one of those items so it's a red vein sorrel vermouth and we find the red vein sorrel vermouth brings us acidity and anchors the mezcal and then you get this really nice sort of light warmth from the uh, hibiscus as well i say this every year but i do feel like this is the year of the punch uh i really i really <laughs> i agree <laughs> you know yeah, I, I say I, I really say it every year, but I, I hope that this is the year where it finally does kick off because punch is just such a simple way to um, make a huge serve that that serves many guests. Yes, it can be a bit labour intensive ahead of time, but it means that you can simply leave it somewhere and 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 leave it with your guests, right? So, I'm hoping my my biggest tips would be make a citrus olio. Buy some very decent products, whether that be uh, you know cognac, bourbon, whatever, and then and then some sparkling wine, and then some 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 modifiers of your choice. So, for example, one punch I love to make is uh, a cognac and rum based punch with green tea, pineapple juice, topped up with a bottle of champagne, nutmeg on top, citrus olio base. Simply simple, delicious, but for the summer, it's a great way of uh, of, of serving many people very easily. Love that one, Chris. Any ideas? Oh, like I, I'm always just a fan of a spritz. It's hands down. Like I will anything sparkling and low ABV that you can drink all day, and you can start early and finish late. That's um, especially actually we mentioned this product before, but I was going to say Axia is is something that's recently come onto my radar, and been drinking that with uh, with grapefruit soda recently. So it's a, a dry mastiha spirit and grapefruit soda, which I think is probably going to be my uh, my drink as I see in spring and summer. That's, That's why they call it Chris Spritz Tanner. Is that right? <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, I have, I have uh, earned myself the nickname of Spritz Tanner on the uh, <laughs> account of the amount of spritzes that I drink. Yeah, fantastic. Now, so we say so people can follow your tips on what they can make at home, but better still. We think that they should visit you in the bar to see what all the fuss is about. So, Chris, Liam, thank you so much. And we will be in to see you both again soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Cocktail Lovers podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please tell your friends and make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. For more details on the people, places and products mentioned today, head over to our website, thecocktaillovers.com.